0: friends here on the unhindered podcast. Again, I have the great pleasure and privilege of interviewing my friend, Charlie Vallow, who has just gone through the unhindered experience and has been kind enough to share his before and after, uh, the, his, his complete experience of what it was like and what's happened since. So I reckon that's such a gift to get a window into someone's life and to hear their journey and, uh, experience they've had. So Charlie, I appreciate you being willing to be open and honest,
1: and I'm sure the audience will too. So thanks for being on the show. It's my absolute pleasure to be here, Jamin. I've enjoyed the experience immensely. And honestly, I felt a bit compelled to share, right? It's yeah, right. sometimes, have you ever had someone ref- like give you a movie and you loved it so much, you just like, I've got to tell people about this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Your work tends to have that effect
0: on people. Yeah, nice. Oh, that's lovely to hear. And it was a real privilege to take you through the process. So uh, I'd like to start with your experience, though, of the insecurity work before you decided because, um, you know, we've had a bit to do with each other over the years before doing coaching, and I was fascinated to hear from you a couple of times. You're like, yeah, Jamie, I like what you're doing, but I never find your content really touch touch me. It doesn't actually seem that relevant to what I'm going through. So... I'd, I'd love for you to reflect on why that was true for you and 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 then perhaps what changed for you to find the stuff around insecurity relevant
1: it's a great question so and this might just be me right I can't say this is all people but for whatever reason when there's certain words that is used in your work so for example like insecurity, where I had an idea of what insecurity is. It just turns out that that isn't at all what you think insecurity is. So mm-hmm. it's very difficult for me to go, or it was very difficult of like, you would say, oh, you know, Charlie, it might be an insecurity you're dealing with. And then I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have an insecurity problem, but really we're just not speaking the same language at all. And it's like, um, you know, the word like, uh, I'm going to butcher this in general, but even like when we look at different languages, is like, I can't, I think it's uh, Germans when they say nine. It's like they like I think it's nine. Like you want nine yeah, of yeah. something, but it's actually no. Yeah, right. Yeah. So that was a lot of the terminology I didn't connect with the deeper meanings of. So I dismissed it like naively and silly, or I'll say uh, negligently, because I probably missed out on a lot of the fruits that came from that. But where this kind of got interesting from my perspective is that originally I was introduced to your work by a guy called Matt Knight, um, and Matt is someone that I um, I just love. I think he's a great human. And he's, again, he, well, I'm saying he's your biggest fan, but he might be your second biggest fan or third after. There's probably a list building now. But um, I just always respected Matt so much that it's like, I was like, there's something here because Matt is not silly. So I had this like little proof in my life. And then eventually like the penny dropped for me that I was like, oh, crap. I I just didn't understand the terminology. And then once some of the terminology start to hit for me, I go, well, what else don't I understand here? And then I went and reread your first book mm. and uh, loved it and re-fell in love with that book. I think it's exceptional. I know you will perhaps say some of your other books are your best, but that one certainly has uh, a very big soft spot for me. And then I went uh, into the Unhindered book and the Unhindered book really started to speak to me both um uh, because uh, it made sense to me now, but also my life circumstance had changed because years prior, I didn't have the same challenges. It's so useful to hear
0: that. And I, I had a, a client actually in a similar way have almost a resistance to my message like it was an attack. Um, I'm putting out this insecurity stuff. He's like, piss off, and I'm not insecure. Like, stop calling me insecure. Leave me alone. <laughs> and it was just this, it's a really confronting and vulnerable word. Um, my intention around going there has kind of been, yeah, I get it's confronting, but I'm just going to name the elephant in the room really clearly. And then when, if, and when you're ready, you'll know where to come find me. Uh, but I think this, this person in particular uh, gave me a suggestion that I think's made a big difference to soften my message slightly. And he said, what happens if you add the word hidden into your messaging, and Like what happens if you just say, Oh, we're dealing with hidden insecurity. It's like hidden. Oh, okay i don't think i'm insecure but perhaps i'm missing something perhaps i haven't understood it perhaps there is something hiding that i can't see that would be foolish if that is true not to examine this a little more closely um so yeah other people are like yeah i know i'm insecure yeah great um where's the medicine how do we how do we solve this but i think predominantly it's a really difficult on-ramp into this work and well, well, that's a your high skill. Point. That's my skill, the difficult on the Absolutely.
1: Um, I can, I wouldn't change it, just to be clear. It was mm. in this circumstance, uh, my view that needed to change, not other people's. It's yeah, what sure. I find really curious is when you can uh, come to the realisation of what an insecurity is in this example and see that it is a lot of the pains or challenges that someone's dealing with are linked to that is when it becomes interesting, like really interesting. So I, I, I kind of vote for keeping it. Great.
0: I mean, your expertise in, in the marketing world, um, I find so fascinating. Uh, one of the things that you said to me too early on was the difference between vitamins and painkillers in terms of the approach to marketing and messaging and what responds at what time. Um, can you explain that for the audience and how it applies to the insecurity
1: work? I am still shocked how much of uh marketing world is in personal development world. I really am. It's one of the things that is is very, very interesting. Um, one of the principles I was taught early on in my marketing journey was that there's two ways to basically sell things. So there's vitamins and there's painkillers. So for a lot of people, the way they purchase is actually preventative, right? So they are the person that it's like, you could very easily sell them a multivitamin so they don't get sick, Mm. right? But for others, they will just ignore that and think that, well, I'm I'm not sick now. I don't need this. Why why would I go through with it? That person will buy when they're in pain and they buy painkillers. The thing that's interesting is that the painkiller market is substantially bigger than the vitamin market. Like it's very, very heavily skewed towards that. So what we know as marketers is that when people are in pain and they're in discomfort, is that is the moment to capitalize on a solution that can solve that. I mean that in the most ethical way. It's just how humans work. Like no one calls a plumber to you know come and have a look at their sink and make sure it's not going to explode but yeah. if there's water shooting over the house yeah, like yeah they want that person here and now
0: yeah that makes a lot of sense and i would say predominantly people are calling me because they're in pain um it's they've got to the end of themselves they've tried everything they know and they're suffering and they're, they don't call me because it's awesome and they're they're looking for a a health check. Um, however, you describe your approach as a vitamin approach. You, when you read the book and explored this more keenly, it was like I think there's some value in examining this, even though I can't write, I can't see how it's costing me in this moment.
1: Is that accurate? I would say it's accurate to a degree, but I'd love sure. to give it some more around that because there certainly was some challenge. Right? It's just that I was looking at it differently than most. So I think for some, and I won't ever put someone and say this is their life, but if someone's in a really challenging life situation, maybe their relationship is on the rocks, their business is tanking, whatever it is, right? They're not enjoying life. They can't connect with their kid. Like it's a very obvious pain they're trying to solve. Yeah. I didn't have that. So Mm -hmm. for me, the pain I actually had was that I'm like, is this it? Right. So I reached a level that I think some people would call is like the a uh, level of success that many people aspire to. And for me, I didn't want to settle here. So I was actually trying to find solutions for that next level of growth. So it wasn't that there was anything inherently bad or wrong or pain created from the environment. But when I look forward on my life, I'm like, if this is like, I'm or nearly 35, but I'm 34 at the moment, but I'm like, if this is it till I'm 80, like that was, that was horrific. Like I hated the idea that this would be all I ever achieved with my life. I felt there was so much more in me and I was capable of so much more, but I was missing something because other people have clearly solved this. There's others out in the world that have done that, but I was like, there's something at a fundamental level that I'm not getting. Mm -hmm. And uh, your work ended up being a critical component of unlocking that next level.
0: Mm. Um, I remember some of the text messages exchanged early on where you're like, you know, describing something that had just come into your awareness and your process and you're like, wow, deep AF, the <laughs> constant and the mind blown. So which um, like, if you were willing to share some of the kind of the mind explosions as you opened the door and walked into this world that you didn't fully understand what was going to happen, you knew that you'd reached a limit, hoping that wasn't as good as it was going to get, that there was more um, and felt that unresolved insecurity could play a part in, in this cap or this lid. Can you, yeah, can you explain the process of awareness and some of the early discoveries that really rocked your world?
1: Yeah, so as I started to unpack and understand this world of insecurities and realising that I actually had some, one of the first moments I had that like absolutely rocked me because it was very, very evident in my life at the time, I was actually trying to buy a house. Right Now, this was a house in a very affluent suburb of Victoria. And it was an expensive house like this is a house that's in the well, i'll just say it was more than three million dollars i'd say quite expensive house and I'm, I'm going through this work and looking at this insecurity and the thing that just like shattered my world was the realization that i didn't even want the house <laughs> Right, i wanted the house to actually cover it in security i wanted it so that i could basically go to my mom and dad and go hey look look how successful i am i'm enough right? Look at this really expensive house I've been able to get. And what really rocked me was that how much time, energy, and effort I was willing to put into something that I didn't really want. And it just like, I'm walking down the street uh, of this area, looking at the houses, and I'm just like, I wonder if that person actually wanted the house. And then I'm looking at this, I couldn't get it out of my mind. And it hit me that for many, that's probably the reality. Like for many people in, and not that the suburb matters, but this might just be buying a house in general, but particularly in aspirational areas, there's a status that comes with it that people get to present to others. And I had very much become aware of the idea that that's how many people run their life. And that was potentially a huge mistake where I could end up working my face off for years to pay for a $3 million house for what? Mm. To hide an insecurity? That doesn't make any sense at all, where now I don't even want the house. (laughs) Uh, It's a big deal.
0: And one of the great challenges with that kind of awareness is the sunk cost bias, you know, where you've committed to a way of living, you've committed to a transactional model of life, and you're invested in it, and you're down the road. And so then aborting that and Going well, one. Then, what does that mean about all this effort and energy I've put into getting what I thought I wanted? If it all proves to be empty, so it is. A, it is a shattering kind of experience to deconstruct. I, I find it very troubling. Um, Catherine often says it to people. She feels the the compassion for clients more keenly than I do because I, you know, I'm. I'm there in a really clean space, but she's like, oh, the poor darling's in the awareness phase. You know, ignorance is bliss. You're just living your life doing your thing. You think you want the house, you're committed to it, you're earning money, and you assume it's going to make you happy. And then you're like, hang on a minute, I'm just aware of this strategy I'm running to cover an in insecurity that I'm not enough, and I've thought if I can earn a certain amount and achieve a certain status, then, then I'll get the enoughness from the world, especially my parents that I've always craved, and I'll be happy. And then you go, oh, that's not going to get me that. You haven't found an upgrade yet. You haven't gone well. Then how do I feel enough? Like what's the what's the alternative if this isn't it? How do I get what I really want? Like that is a really problematic place to sit in, and there's a lot of suffering. <laughs> I got, I got a few clients right in that place at the moment. The, the poor darlings. Um, what was that I like concurred. for you? Just kind of this before the alternate strategy came when you deep when you deconstructed the
1: the one you're pursuing. What did that feel like? So the first element is freeing, right? Because I'm looking at this of going, wow, I don't have to spend the next 35 years or whatever it is living this way. Like, this is like, I'm like, I can actually have what I really want. I don't have to spend all this time and effort in that way. But the second feeling though, is the looking back at all the time and effort you've spent on things that you said you wanted that you actually didn't, that were just part of the same game. Mm-hmm. So there is a bit of a like, oh, didn't like that. But I felt very uh, lucky to have caught it in my 30s and not my 60s. I think if I was deeper in it, there could be more regret on it where I, in my case, felt like, there's well, still plenty of time ahead to not live that way. I'm all for
0: it. Yeah, yeah. And, and to be fair, you're ahead of the curve in terms of the readiness for change piece. which makes you slightly different than, than the normal case. Um, you know, being 34 when you've done this work, most people are not ready until they're 40, and so therefore have a bit more sunk cost. A bit more investment into pursuing
1: the things that they didn't want. Therefore, uh, there's a little more to deconstruct. Um, I've got a few more on my list, though. I did make a list for this question. I knew this question was coming because I right, think there right, were so okay. many deep moments. So I just love to share a couple more. Thank the, you. The second one was the um, people work perfectly. Right. I'd, I'd never, can, which was, as in your book, where you talk about the uh, doctor, uh, is it Dr. Phil? I feel like it is Dr. Phil. Dr. Phil. Um, yeah. Yeah, where he's talking about where people come in in a victim uh, mentality and they won't change. And I just thought that was very interesting that when you dig a little bit deeper, the realization is that they get something out of it. So maybe it's support from a a family member or maybe it's like an excuse not to show up in the world a certain way or whatever it is. So for me, I, I realized that in certain circumstances, there's things that I didn't like in my life that I felt like I had no choice or responsibility or ability to change. But really, secretly, as much as I hated admitting this, <laughs> is I was getting something out of it. Yeah, like I, uh, to use an example, there was things I was doing in my business that I didn't want to do, I really didn't want to do, them, but I felt very compelled to do them uh, to support my family, and like I got to feel like a hero at the end of the day, like you know, I'm providing, and. To when I realized that, and it came to the awareness of it, is like it unlocked my ability to change in a bigger way. I've always been uh, very reasonable at change, but this just took it to a whole nother level because it, it allowed me to see more clearly where there are things where it's like I secretly don't want to change. Like I'm going to actually resist change, and when you can remove that, the ability to get rid of things in your life that you don't actually want to do becomes so much easier. So much easier.
0: Yeah, I, I think that that self-deception of like, yeah, I'm, I don't like this. Yeah, I, I'd, I'd wish this was different. Yeah, I'd, I'd change in a moment if I could, but I can't because I'm stuck and I'm, I don't have a choice to step back and go, no, no, it, this thing's not holding on to you. You're holding on to it because it's meeting your needs and protecting your fears. Terribly offensive. I, I'm not sure there's a harder conversation to have but, but freeing because you're like, huh, well, then now there's nothing in the way. Well, if I actually wanted to change this, well, now I could. I could see the transactions are at play, so yeah, uh, that is a big one and a fun oh, part me, of the
1: process. Absolutely, let me do one more at least, please. I know there's other please, things we probably can, want to discuss, but I. Um, so the other one was I. I have a young son, uh, Jack, and um, what I didn't necessarily realize is when he came into this world, I set up a whole bunch of agreements with myself. Right. So he's there. And then all of a sudden, I've got all these rules on what it is to be a good parent or not a good parent. Mm -hmm. And a moment that hit me, and you said it so subtly in one of our coaching sessions, was like, have you ever asked who set the agreements? And I hadn't. So what I'd been doing is on the idea that uh, if, and I'll use a very like easy example to understand, I'd made up some rule that if I don't spend, let's say, an hour a day with my son, that I'm a bad dad. So it's like, you know, one hour and one minute, hero, you're a champion. (laughs) 59 minutes, worst person in the world, I'm going to brutalize you. You better do two hours tomorrow. Mm. And I didn't realize, one, how harsh I was being with myself and the judgments around it. But I'd never taken the time to go, well, who made the rules? Mm. Like, where did these agreements come from? And then how are these definitions so? Because there's probably someone out there in the world that doesn't see their kids three weeks in the month, who's traveling the world providing for them, but they don't don't define themselves as a bad dad. Or maybe they think they're a good dad, or maybe they don't, but it's like, well, they made their own rules. Like, there is no universal rules. And when that hit me, I was like, then I can change the rules. Mm. And, again, just a hugely um, deep moment for me. I think my wife was like, what is this guy saying at this point? Because I was I was walking the hallways. It's just like, who made the rules? And I can only <laughs> imagine her, her interpretation of this. She'd just be like, all right, he's maybe he's joined a cult and gone off the deep end <laughs> now. It's weird it shit happening. And who said you had to wear pants anyway? Who made that rule? <laughs> I did actually think I was going to do this podcast in a, uh, like, pink onesie or something, just to really, like, <laughs> Go through. there's no insecurity here I'm down but um anyway point being that was just another one that was really huge for me and I think for many people it's these types of things that can be huge unlockers in their life they, they make such a huge difference mm.
0: uh yeah thank you for sharing that that's very useful to unpack so just to take it one level deeper and and examine the deeper structure because you know, then the changing the rules and the agreements might sound really easy. Like, well, I set up that rule so I can change that. But to really become aware that you set up that rule for a reason, unconsciously, you were trying to cover something. You were trying to gain something. You were trying to prove something. You were trying to defend something. You you didn't just pick an arbitrary rule that was stupid for no reason. There was some intention to that. So just like the secondary gain, you know, you're staying in a place with the illusion of no choice. It's working for you. You set that up in the first place because it was protecting your fear it was providing for your needs so ultimately this change process is always heading down to that deep level of fear and um you know that precise structure around what do you think is wrong with you like what is this thing that you're running and hiding from what's this accusation that you've made against yourself um I, I find when I take on a client, they're always nervous that they won't be able to find that thing. They won't be able to pinpoint what it is they're actually afraid of. They won't know where it started. Um, so, your awareness around the origins of your limiting belief and and the structure of what did you think was wrong with you. You're willing to share that process and what you discovered about yourself as the deeper structure driving all your strategy and agreements.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I could understand those types of thoughts around, you know, not being able to find the thing or will it work or all the rest of it, because I had those doubts myself. Mm. Um, but ultimately I decided like the downside of trying it and doesn't work doesn't really match the upside of trying it. It could work. Like it's a very asymmetrical bet. Like if you try the process and it doesn't work, well, great. You can just move on and try something else. But if it does, well, then you've just won. Mm. So I, I, again, that's just the way I approached it here. So uh, to go the one level deeper than uh, some of these, and my articulation is still, I'm still working on this because it is a harder thing to explain in a lot of cases, what was there is protecting the opinion of myself and what I thought of myself. So it's It's not being a bad dad. It's how I feel about being a bad dad for me, Mm. right? It's how I was showing up in the world. And then ultimately under that was the revealing thought that uh, am I enough? because I had built up an idea from childhood experiences that I wasn't enough, like things that happened in my youth where I had described that and, or had that experience. And then ultimately set on a quest to prove that wrong when the reality was, is that I made that up. So the deeper thing is that, am I enough? I had been attempting to prove that in many ways when things showed up in the world, whether it's fatherhood, business results, houses, Whatever it is, whenever anything had the opinion to kind of reinforce and find proof of that, I would go after it. And when anything in the world had the chance to, I suppose, expose that I am not enough by those standards, I would, you know, find ways to shy away from it or get a uh, prove that isn't true in another way. Yeah,
0: so useful to think about the energy that goes into proving proving that you are enough the problem with that is if your foundational assumption is that you are not then then nothing ever proves that you are like it's an endless quest with holes in it your bucket leaks every time you feel ah oh, look this made me feel enough yeah but what if they know who i really am what if i lose this thing i just gained so can you can you explain how you deconstructed that assumption in the first place? What was it like kind of going back to that kid who'd first decided or that opinion that you formed and changing
1: that opinion? How, how would you describe how you did that? For me, this was a lot like the first time someone asked me to feel my feelings. I'm like, what do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> it's like I hadn't necessarily like thought about it in that way. So, like the, uh, I, I went to a uh, event many years ago, and they were talking about feeling feelings, and I really struggled with it because I, th- and that might be a male thing, it might be a me thing. I'm not going to be here or there, but when I started uh, delving into this work, there was resistance in the initiation of like, my views of what happened in the past are correct. What are you possibly talking about? Um, so it was quite difficult again i wanted to be open-minded to the idea because i was stuck and perceived that there was something here i don't know so i'm like i'm just going to start exploring it i found it really difficult to find the past experiences initially and then uh what i've heard you mention and mention for others was eventually they they come back in a really really strong way and they did for me so when i started thinking uh more deeply around the question of like what was you know the first time you remember feeling that you were not enough I started to have some uh, different experiences from my youth i did and then when i sat in them uh i realized that the perspective i was taking here is what you call the actor so i was very much describing experience that was happening to me um and not necessarily re- realizing that i was the one assigning meaning to it mm. so uh and i'll just share the story if you don't mind if, if that's fine no, to make it easier thank you charlie yeah Totally. I'm trying to describe it and I'm like, this would just be an easier approach. So what, one of the things uh, in my family, my my father was actually a very good footballer. Um, very good. And this is AFL for no confusion. Um, so when I was growing up, like I wanted to play footy to be like dad. I make and I suspect this is not uncommon for many others as well. However, terrible at football. Um, it's just not something that naturally came to me. Now, a game would happen. So on a Saturday, I'd play terribly. Um, but I really wanted to be good at this. It was very important to me to be good at this, to like, you know, show dad that I'm enough. And what would happen on the drive home is dad would, I think in good meaning, give me tips and suggestions on, you know, oh, you could have done this, or we'll have to practice that. Or, uh, you know, next time when this happens, you could do this. And like, he's probably trying to give well-meaning advice so that I can improve and get a better result. Like he wants to see his son win. Mm. But the way I took that was, "Your shit. You're not enough. Can't believe you didn't do this." And I would just feel absolutely terrible after every game, mm. and I was just like, "Well, I'm I'm just not enough." And like this would happen week on week on week on week, and it cemented the idea. And then and there for me, that, that that's where it came from. Like that's where my initial memory was. Now, I, even in the way I've told that story, I've even offered his perspective that could suggest my interpretation of events isn't correct but when i looked at that i realized that the only thing i remembered was the basically dad saying you did terribly and i've come to realize that that's probably not what happened and not only that is that for dad right he was a a very good footballer maybe he was dealing with his own insecurities of he was a champion but his son is not like I've often thought about this one as well, well from, like, you know, Jack's perspective is if, you know, or when you look at, like, Michael Jordan or Tiger Woods, like if their kids don't live up to the level in a sport, what it must be like for them to confront that their children may not be the champions they are, that it's not in the DNA. <laughs> yeah. And, which, again, take take from, it, from what you will, but it's like maybe dad was feeling compelled to level me up because he didn't like the idea of having a son who wasn't good at football. And again, it all could have been well-meaning, but for me, that set off a series of events that had me going to prove I am enough. Mm-hmm. So now it's, you know, every house I want to buy is to show, don't worry, Dad, I'm shit at footy, but, you know, I'm really good at making money. Yeah, right. I'm terrible at football, but I actually did make it to state level in basketball. I'm actually quite a good athlete, believe it or not. That story may have you believe I'm terrible at sports, but it's not. It's just for whatever reason, f- football didn't work for me. Not 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 in my nature. But um, it's... A- again for like a moment that just blew me away It's like I can't believe that moments sitting in the back of a Mitsubishi uh was it what's their Ute? It's not it's the Triton, the Mitsubishi Triton in white with uh Mitsubishi written on the back has set me off on a quest where I was then willing to spend years of my life chasing a house or uh achieving a level of success. So that was that was again mind bending for me.
0: I love that you said it was hard to find that in the first place. There was some resistance to this idea. That That's really common. One of the big resistances I find is people assume that they don't have a right to have a negative defining moment. They're like, I don't know, I kind of had a happy childhood and it would it would feel inappropriate to complain about it. My parents did well enough. Like there's plenty of people who had worse than me. So for me to have something that I point to as a reason why I can't kind of feels like a cop out and um, I wasn't abused. I was always fed, so, um, but that doesn't pay any credit to the fact that when you're a kid, you've only got your experience, and it's all catastrophic. It's all big. It's it's everything is is complex. And so, sitting in a white old Mitsubishi Triton, coming home from footy, having some tips on how you can improve. That's it. That's enough. Kids like. My goodness, no, I bet no one else's dad's doing this. Everyone else's dad's taking out a Maca's celebrating how good they were. My dad's telling me what I didn't do right. Huh, look at this. I'm I'm just not good at this. And it's the one thing that I need to be good at. Um, so what does that mean about me? Look at that, not enough. It's, and so as soon as you're open to the idea that, yeah, with, with 100% certainty at some point change your life, then you can kind of relax into going, cool, well, now my unconscious can just bring up the thing, the moment where I had that first realization as innocuous as it may have seemed it was profound and life-changing in the back of a mitsubishi
1: triton your life changed well, you Incredible. used an example that was like helped so much which is like uh, if you do have young kids you'll get this like i i uh, was in the supermarket the other day I kid you know the story you tell all the time and i wouldn't get jack a donut yeah and it was world ending yeah Right. So like the moment itself and the severity of the interpretation are no way linked. Like Mm -hmm. you didn't have to get beaten for it to be a experience that warrants this type of inflection point in your life. And that was something that again, really helped me in the understanding of that. But the next component of it, like if you, if you can truly have that moment, the best thing that comes from it is you go, what else is there? Mm -hmm. Like What else have I come to believe? Um, in, in a situation that's then set me off from here and suddenly everything's up for grabs. Like the second moments of realization are much easier than the first.
0: Yeah. And it flicks the switch, which I noticed for you too. So there's early resistance. I don't know what I'm going to find. Will I find anything? This is hard. And then you find something and you're like, Oh my goodness, I just discovered a misunderstanding. And when I pursue that misunderstanding, it gives me more of what I want. It opens my world It enlarges my possibilities. Then you're like, that was good. I wonder what else I could find. And then you're off. And you've now you've linked pleasure to awareness rather than pain, which is most people's experience. And like, great, then let's deconstruct this whole thing. Let's pull it apart to the smallest moving parts. How did I be me? How did I define myself? What did I tie myself to?
1: What agreements? What rules? They're all up for grabs. Let's build this thing properly as an adult. And this is where it gets fun. Mm. Uh, this is where there's an excitement around it because you've you've just unlocked so much potential to do things oh I lie that part of going through prior experiences and really deconstructing them not not the most enjoyable part of the process I try to say it's the worst <laughs> yeah what do you think makes it so
0: difficult problematic troublesome like what in in having just gone through it because uh, that would be the common experience it's terrifying far too, too terrifying for most people. They they won't actually ever go back and review that data. So why do you think it's so hard?
1: In my case, I think it had the potential to really rupture reality. And I don't think anyone wants their reality ruptured. Like I don't want to go back and look differently on my father. Like, I Like I get things from that. Like it's nice to have him in a place where I look on him fondly. Right. So if someone was to, you know, let's use an extreme example here. Let's say digging into my past proved that um, my whole life is a waste. Like it, that would be shattered. Like that would be rupturing. Like I could actually see that for some, if you think that's the potential, why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. Like it makes sense to avoid things like that because it could drastically change it. And to use another uh, I think metaphor or analogy here, it's like the matrix thing. It's like you could take someone out of the matrix and it's like, it's not a good thing. They're not ready or up for what comes next. Yeah. So for some, they might be, and I'm, again, using just obscene examples, but it's like staying plugged in, even if you don't get your life's uh, wishes is safe. Like you can continue on versus the potential of it being some, something much more exposing. Yeah, that's
0: exactly how it feels to people. I'm sure the the tragedy of it all is just that that whole reality that you don't want to be shattered is all built on a misunderstanding and it's a really unkind Ooh. misunderstanding it's, it's a misunderstanding that to keep living there is to accuse yourself continually of being not not enough not of value so completely uh, what if it proves i'm really not enough <laughs> what if you unlock it yeah you discover that's actually true you're right <laughs> that the kid was right in that triton yep you accurately understood the world and yourself um yeah and then you go back and see it clearly then it's the end of the game exactly i i love the hero's journey metaphor and i there are there a great there's great value in connecting the hero's journey with the personal development journey especially when it comes to insecurity and i i love that the hero is actually doing something impossible and it is literally impossible frodo it is literally impossible for frodo this little hobbit to be the one who destroys the ring, takes on the forces of Sauron and destroys the ring. That's that's not the real world. So, and that's why we watch the movie because there's every chance he won't do it and it'll get too hard along the way and he'll go back to the Shire with his tail between his legs. So <clears throat> I I enjoy over-dramatizing, well, not even over-dramatizing, just, just giving an accurate drama to say, yeah, this is big and costly and scary and impossible and no one could no one could bemoan the fact that you don't want to do it. That's fine. Like you don't have to do this and it's hard and scary and you might die. So, um, but on the other hand, if you want meaning and adventure and excitement and you want your life to count. Uh, yeah, There's no other way to go back and examine your reality and to see if there is something even more real and more true, more aligned to the life you've always wanted. So giddy up. Exactly. Um, uh, what did you find most transformational about the coaching space? So just the the dynamic of having me in your world for a season with some structure, uh, the chance to work through this, did you, yeah, like you did describe what you felt was most transformational about that
1: approach? Yeah, there was a few elements I, I really thought were just awesome. So number one is the idea of a space where you use the terminology you don't care. I, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think you care a little bit, but um, it's the idea that you can say anything and there's no judgment here. Mm. Uh, this is a, a safe space where you can say anything. And I definitely don't have that in my life outside of that. And I think most people don't. Or maybe they do. I, I won't put it on everyone else. But for me a place where there was no judgment to do this work made a huge difference. And then the second part of it is I had doubt for me that I would be able to do this process. So having someone there that you can talk to about it to make sure you're on track or get some response from as you go through it because it can be quite intense at times. Or you can easily, as I did, like lead yourself in a bit of a wrong direction and to be able to have it pulled back. So, uh, again, it's like, I, I realized the one point is like, I, I just like made up a story uh, and I was like, instead of dealing with the opinion of myself and you flagged that really well on in the journey, I was like, I tricked myself into it again. Mm-hmm. I like, I found something and then made up a story not to have to deal with it. Yeah. I was like, ah, so the combination of those two things of like safe space and then reassurance of being on track for myself made it, um, in- incredible. The idea of there's no risk of failure, like, mm-hmm. and the idea that you can complete something or get the game from it just really worked. I also quite like the frequency. I felt like the frequency of communication was right for me because in, in the earlier parts of this podcast, is like every week I'm like getting smashed by something new. I'm like, oh my God, all these, ha- everyone in this suburb, they, they haven't dealt with their insecurities, right? They're all just trying to prove to mom and dad they're enough. I'm like, this is what blow my world away. And then the next week it's like, Jack, I made the agreements. (laughs) So it's like it's uh, a process of like every week it's like a huge thing happening in my world and uh, having some grounding and space to communicate on that enhanced it It made it digestible where it would have been easy to miss things within it that I think were the real fruits and ongoing things. So the explanations, examples, uh, and things that were shared in those calls was phenomenal. Hmm.
0: That's useful to hear. Um,
1: like you mentioned fruit just then,
0: I'd be fascinated by what you feel has been the lasting fruit, having updated your agreements, having changed your opinions, having moved out of being an actor and positioned yourself as a storyteller and improved your map of the world. What, what has changed since doing the coaching?
1: It's a really great question. I love that one. So for me, I would almost say that the way I've, I've tried to explain this to my wife a few times, uh, it's like my taste has changed. It's uh, and I don't think well everyone's taste change like who when they're a young kid really loves avocados but for whatever reason in your twenties they're amazing um, again that's just me but I felt that uh, so my way of coming up in the world or experiencing the world it's like I taste it differently now I see it differently and when uh, things happen now and you don't react the same it's it's very like different in a really good way. So for myself, it's like, if I want to change something in my world now, and I go, oh, but, I'm like, no, but, you know, there's no but, right? It's like, you always have 100% choice and 100% responsibility. It's like, well, why are you resisting this change? Mm. Or why have you not followed through on something you've done? It's been really, really impactful and powerful for being able to make change. So in the last two months of the program, what I've really noticed is that my ability to make change in areas of my life is just like enhanced in a really big way, huge way. I've also found that um, many of the times when I've had friction in conversations, it's actually people's insecurities rubbing up against each other. So when when you can see that you kind of handle these conversations differently. And again, I'll just use an example, uh, although I hope she won't mind me. uh, We'll still go with it on this one with the wifey. Uh, But it's like uh, at times we'd have conversation about our extended family. And I came to the realization that it's like, this is in Bianca, my wife's case, what we're really having a conversation about is she's trying to prove her enough to her family and I'm trying to prove I'm enough to mine, but they're not matching. Mm -hmm. So we're actually just going off in like some sort of like proof war here right now. Like who's right? Mm -hmm. And when you're able to uh, see that, and have a meaningful conversation with someone else around that, I found that in my relationship at home, it's actually been a really big enhancer as well. All right? So the once you can see it in yourself and you start to see some of this appearance in others, the way you get to kind of operate in the world comes through in a different way also, which is just hugely powerful. Um, I'd also say that one of the things is, uh, if you can imagine the ex- experience I was having with my son before, where it's like it was it was actually quite brutal. I actually, look, I was not kind to myself prior in any way. Like I was putting a lot of uh pressure and stress and like just grinding it. Like I was like the David Goggins of daddy. <laughs> like it was just ridiculous. <laughs> but it's like I look at it now and it's like I am so much happier in the arrangement I have there, like the rules I've made and how that's done. Like we made a Jupile house last night, Jamie It was ridiculous. I saw that it story. It looks so cool. It was fantastic. Where I don't think I necessarily would have been able to make those changes uh, previously or have that lasting in my life. Mm. Um, I, I could go on and on. It's like how much uh, how much time have we got here. But there's been business change and relationships in business that have changed for me in a really meaningful way. Um, mm. I would wanted to play golf for years, mm. like years. I've been wanting to play golf, but I never felt like I had the time. I'd always been like, no, got to work and provide for the family. Got to be a good dad, right? Got you know all these gotters. And um I, I realized that this was something that I wanted to change in my life to the point where I like I play golf on Monday and Friday afternoons now. And like I don't feel guilty about it when I do, where previously I did. So it's on many levels. And again, I know some of these will feel like they're not connected. It's like, you know, Charlie, how is the conversations with your partner, the relationship with your son, your business and playing golf all linked? But they are. Mm-hmm. they really are in a big way so doing this work and realizing many of the things linked to opinions of myself and trying to prove enough were that's how they were appearing in my world and i'm still surprised by the other areas it unpacks that's extraordinary the golf one i remember
0: i remember watching you post a few stories and share some images about the first time like i'm going to play golf and and you noticed that there was no guilt um so you know the structure of upgrading from discipline to permission which is what i'm writing about at the moment can you describe the feeling of permission to go play golf and what it was like to notice yourself playing golf and to to look inside and go, huh I, i'm not feeling guilty i don't feel like i should be doing something else i don't really care what others think whether i should be doing this or not i have permission to play golf as part of the holistic experience of me being me and it all belongs. This does connect to parenting, to marriage, to business. Uh, yeah. what that, that permission piece, can you
1: describe how that upgrade felt for you? I'll tell it in two parts. I'd actually tried to play golf maybe two years earlier. And every time I played golf in that experience, I felt an immense amount of guilt. So there was very specific, like, uh, Provider was huge for me. Like I felt like, why are you playing golf? You should be providing for your family right now. And any second you don't spend doing that, you're, you know, just the worst person in the world. That's the agreement I'd made mm. um, in a really huge way. And particularly, and then the other side of that was the guilt for time with my son. So there was lays for this. And what would happen is I would go to golf and just like rush, try to get the game done quickly so I can get home. And if for anyone who's played golf, that's probably the worst idea of the world. Mm. You don't score well or play well, or even enjoy the experience. I realized they weren't enjoyable experiences. Like I was going out there and just basically being cruel to myself on a golf course, feeling guilty about it and coming back home. And then eventually quit because I didn't like that pain where the experience after, like once I'd done some of this work is like, I'd go play golf, have an amazing time and actually come home in a glorious state. And then I was actually a better dad, a better business owner, a better partner. And it was the idea that, you know, well, actually golf is actually really good for these areas of my life. So the it, the way I'm now enjoying the experience, the way I'm showing up, the way I'm having fun with it was creating a very, very different set of results, like incredible set of results where I'm, I'm going out there and going, well, hold up. I almost need to go to golf if anything else is going to function in my life. That might yeah. be a touch of an exaggeration, but I'll still run yeah, with yeah. it and use it in the home. Uh, if Bianca does listen to this, I probably will need some golfing after this. But anyway, <laughs> uh the, the the point I make there is like that's the different of the experience. That's the in-moment feelings that are different. Now the activity is exactly the same. There's still a, a ball and some clubs, but two very, very, very uh different ways of doing it. And like that would be the uh self-permission way that I've really experienced and what it's like to really be in the game of golf and seeing what comes from it versus the prior example. Mm. I love the way that the agreements
0: just made sense to you as well. When you discovered, look at this, my world is governed by agreements I've made to compensate for certain accusations I've made. I dissolve those accusations. I'm now free to change the rules. I could agree that I could be a wonderful husband and father and business owner and also enjoy golf and I could agree that's a beautiful way to live and it's a way that I like to live. And because I get to make the rules, then that agreement's excellent. And it's not like you're agreeing to that for the next 50 years of your life, but for right now in this season, that makes sense and that's life-giving and it's pragmatic and it works. So you have full permission to go play in that and then the the fruit is self-evident.
1: I must admit in the initial stages of this, like I was looking for, there's always a part of you when those first few games of golf come back where you're looking for the evidence that's not true. Mm. Like I was waiting for my business to fall apart or um, my relationship with my son not to be as as good as it is. But actually, I found the opposite. Mm. So I've spent basically the first half of this year now playing golf like three times a week. Like I put in in some effort, but what's astonishing to me is that business is better, relationship better, and and son is better. So it's like I'm actually receiving the opposite of proof than the prior agreements would have me say would happen. So I I just look at it and go like, these are the, and not everyone wants to play golf, nor would I encourage it. It's a challenging sport at times, (laughs) but it's just, again, this could be another area of someone's life where they've built up such an idea of what something is that isn't necessarily true.
0: Yeah. Uh, That's wonderful. Uh, And just the idea of rituals and state management, energy management, and then being unhindered to realize that you can organize your energy toward an overall goal uh, and have permission to do so. Uh, I'd love to hear about the overall goal too. I know I didn't submit this as a question beforehand, but um, develop a compelling vision for your life is, is a central part of the overcoming insecurity process. So, I'd love to see how your vision has become enlarged through this process to think about where your life is heading, where you're taking things, what you're really capable of and and what is ultimate meaning and fulfillment and and purpose for you. Has has that become enlarged
1: throughout this process? Uh, Hugely so. My my life doesn't look the same, even not even through vision, but like uh, what would you call it? Implementation. Mm -hmm. Like I've already started on this stuff. So uh, I was in previous experiences, probably doing more like of a, I'll grind till here, then my life will be good. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I'm just going to pain and suffer this until I reach a certain financial level, um, a certain fitness level, certain dating level, and then I'll do the things in my life that I really want. Uh, That was the basis set up. And I'd put emphasis on like fitness numbers, financial numbers, even, you know, it's I've said it jokingly in this conversation, but literally time with my son. Minutes, counter yep. minutes. So I was a very structured person in that way and was taking a very David Goggins approach to that. And I'm not against David. I think he's amazing, but I think it's a relatable idea and like how hard I was pushing in these areas to do so. Once you had shattered my ambitions of buying a house mm. um, in the best possible way, well, then it really opened the idea up to, well, what do I really want? Mm. Because, and um, what was funny, the first time I did it, I would, write under, I would write something and then under it, I would write, do you really want this or is it for someone else? because I, I would have to second question it now because I, I'd so easily fooled myself for many years that I wanted this ridiculous house. So I went through that process and I started to think about like, what did I want my life to exist as, right? How did I want to live? What did I want to be doing? And I made this list of like uh, lifestyle, basically. So I said, oh, you know, Monday to Friday, this is what I want it to be. This is how much work. And I started uh, and the type of work and all these things. And essentially like one by one, I just began um, implementing it in my life. So a big one for me is I hadn't done a lot of travel. I'd actually really like closed up my world to travel because I was so in the thick of achieving to try and get to this someday, um, where now I'm someone who like goes away every month. Um, I've just gotten back. Well, I love it. The golf's made it into this for so many reasons, I will say, but I've done like three golfing, uh, extended trips this year. I've also done like several family extended trips this year. Um, I've also gone to business retreats and masterminds several times this year and incorporated that where I never would have done that before. So like getting to be involved in those things and experience travel in a really meaningful way was huge. Um, Mm -hmm. I changed the working hours um, and balanced that with like fun and enjoyment in a really huge way, um, which has been massive for me. Um, Cooking has been another thing I've, I've really introduced. And if anyone sees my socials, that is a particular obsession of mine at the moment. Um, but that's fine. Uh, the uh, the idea of like enforcing these and expanding into them has just been huge. So across the last six months, it hasn't just been about like developing a vision of going. You know, this is where I want to be financially. These are the types of things uh, that I want to do. It's been about the implementation of that, and I've actually been able to do it. And now what I find is I'm refining and growing that to more things and more places that I want to be. And with this toolkit, I I seem to be more capable of. Uh, making those changes in my life i seem to be very uh good at being able to develop things i want to do and go after it in a more meaningful way brilliant uh that's so cool to hear but i i know that like these
0: changes aren't all rainbows and fairy bread and i remember you talking about Like you track data at the best of times and so you're you're constantly frothing over data of some description, particularly health related. And there's one time you showed me the data on your watch for a week where we were diving into deconstructing the story and you compared it to a week of full training, even though you hadn't done any training, all your numbers, you know, you were Don't
1: you find that amazing? Just to oh. give context to people, um, I, like I trained pretty hard in my time in endurance sports and cycling and all the rest. And I was blown away to think that a week where you might spend 20 hours on a bike, like pushing yourself to see the capacity of your heart could look the same in your numbers as doing a week of intense coaching when there's, <laughs> yeah. no, there's no physical element in the same way. Right. Like I was walking, but I wasn't doing anything like that. Mm oh, it's exhausting and I think it's just about energy
0: because all your best energy is being directed to prove and defend the deep fear and so to force your way in there and go against your instincts to go, I'm going to go have a look at this and go and examine this and the fear of what if I prove that it's true, yeah, and I'm going to go ahead anyway, Um, that's a lot of energy being directed there and that healing energy bringing back to yourself. Um, So that's a cost involved in the process that's often underestimated I wonder if there's been any other costs that you hadn't anticipated. You know, everything comes with a price. Um, You know, have you noticed that it's changed your tolerance for certain things that previously you were fine with? Have you noticed that there are certain people in your world who maybe get threatened by growth or who now find you less relatable? Or has has there been any unexpected costs to the
1: growth journey that you've been on? Yeah. So uh one of the things you, you mentioned that I, I would just like to address, like I wanted to change up my lifestyle quite a bit and I underestimated the energy involvements in some of it. So I've mentioned that I wanted to do more travel and get away. If you go away with a toddler for three days, you don't come back relaxed and like, oh wow, well, I'm really refreshed. That's an <laughs> intense experience. Yeah. But yes, I need time off after that. And that was uh, something I didn't necessarily account for with like some of the lifestyle things I wanted to do or goals I had, I hadn't necessarily experienced what it was to live in them and just the repercussions of that. And mm-hmm. to use an example, it's like if someone started uh, wanting to run marathons, they may not be, a, they can assess like, Oh, you're going to run on these days, but they don't necessarily assess. Oh, by the way, I'm going to be able to walk the next day between that. Like there's recovery time you've got to bring into it that is, or nutrition time or whatever it is. Um, to answer your question, uh, What has been fascinating to me is that some people uh, in what I've got to describe this in a way I think will be digestible. When I have grown at periods of my life, what's interesting is it's affected the relationships around me. So there's people that respond to that really well and there's people that don't. Mm. And for example, there's people that have seen me accelerate across this year and that is probably bringing up some insecurities for them. And they're almost become a little bit more negative. I've noticed, like, uh, they seem to have problems with uh, some of my solutions, <laughs> <laughs> which they, they can do that. So I've seen that in a way. Um, what is it? The tall poppy syndrome is an interesting one. So if you are someone that does want to, you know, make great change and achieve something more, you have to accept that it may have that effect on people around you. The other side of it, though, is there's been this really uh, interesting impact where it's developed some enhanced connection and deeper meaning with people in my life. So, uh, I mean, my wife and I had a pretty strong connection as it is, but for us to have some of these conversations about our insecurities and where they play out in our own lives has really helped us get to know and understand each other at a a deeper level so we can be a more effective team. Mm. Um, In business, um, I'm very fortunate that I actually get to work with one of my best friends as well. So I, um, uh, Grant is his name and he may listen to this. But some of the conversations we've had have enhanced our relationship and our ability to work together in a really um, more impactful way. So I have been surprised by the uh connections it's built with some people, like significantly enhanced. I feel like we've well, levelled up in a huge way.
0: Yeah, I saw you post something on your socials in the last week or so where you had a dinner party of some description and just the – the depth of conversation that you described having and the uh, the beauty of that um, all off the back of coming in relaxed and present. So, you know, to speak to that
1: increased connection, that must be really lovely to see. Can I can I share one funny thing? On my vision for my life was like, I why am I not going out and having dinner once a month with people that are doing awesome shit? Mm. Like how is that not a criteria of my life? Mm. <laughs> I live in one of the best food cities of the world Yeah, and I'm not doing this. That was one of those dinners that was on the vision. So I, I come to one of your dinners. They're pretty we're epic, down. I will say. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, I have an open invite at any time for you, Jay. But you right, can, uh, you're welcome at one of our dinners. Uh, we're actually going to start doing some getaways as well. Um, this mm. is something that I want in my life and is for my vision. Of I feel compelled to bring the people together. Mm. I think it is something I am supposed to do in um these worlds. But the point being is that dinner wouldn't have happened. Funnily enough, if I didn't do this program at all, which I just find hilarious it's funny the impacts but then the other side of it is like rocking up to it in that great state and being able to have communication happen in a more enhanced level it was awesome Hmm. like it was a i I think all of us have had a night where it's like you didn't want to go home because you're enjoying it so much Hmm. i i tend to be having more of that now and uh, maybe i've become a better communicator or maybe that i'm rocking up differently and people receiving me differently and there's a chance or opportunity for that to happen, but it wasn't happening before is the thing I would yeah. say is there.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Because we've all had those nights where you can't get home early enough. Like it's just if you're in your head, you you feel others are too. There's no connection. It's weird. It's awkward. Um, so to have a lovely open experience, it's, it's one of life's great delights
1: it's huge uh, even further i would build reasons not to go out for dinner because i feel that's the night i was going to have like i'd already created yeah. prevented having the bad experience yeah yeah cool um I. Oh, this has been so cool
0: what's what's next for you let's let's wrap it up but can you um where, where are you heading you've you've said some of your dreams and visions is there anything else around what's happening next for you well i'm
1: done i'm just gonna relax now no shit no. <laughs> Um, So for for me, like I've I've just been on this path of making some pretty significant business changes um, and seeing some of the immense rewards of coming from that. So that's been really impactful. That's going to probably take me uh, what I'm going to call a season to complete this uh, business ambition I have, which I'm so incredibly pumped for. Uh, The father thing, I'm very much enjoying the preschool. Like I've got 18 months before Jack goes to school. I'm wanting to make the most of that. I'm very compelled to enjoy this time and experience that. And then I'm already starting to think about just things I want to do in the next seasons, and there's a bit of a list coming from there. But my ambition and desire to do things in the world is only growing in a, a massive way. It's beautiful to hear, beautiful to be a part of. Um, I love seeing the
0: ripple effect. To this. That That, to me, is one of the most beautiful experiences I get to have happen is to watch the life that's becoming enlivened in you and then how that impacts your world. Um, and I, I say this consistently, it, it impacts the next three generations from here without even trying. Like Jack will have a different experience of life now. Um, he's already having a different experience of life, which then changes what he expects to have happen when he has relationships, which then changes his offspring as well. Um, you know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg in terms of what happened. So Thank you so much for sharing and being so open and honest around it. I'm sure lots of people will find this really useful. Um, Anything else you want to add before we're done? My absolute pleasure, Jamie. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Beautiful. Let's leave it there.